Hello and welcome to the complete Ileana Rasputin story, aka the April Yancey Street Special. I admit I toyed around with the official title of what this episode will be and I still don't think I have settled on an official title. Um, ideas were tragedy and triumph, of course, being a spin of triumph and torment. Um, you know, life of Ileana Rasputin, the Ileana Rasputin story, uh, magic, you know, there's all kinds of things that you could you could say. There's so many descriptors for the life of Ileana Rasputin. But um, regardless, this is going to be a podcast, of course, about Ileana Rasputin from Marvel Comics. And if you're wondering why, why are we doing this podcast as the April special? Well, Ileana Rasputin, aka Magic, she mutant name Magic, uh, she is beginning a new arc of her character story, apparently, which is going to start in New Mutants number 25 and co comes out on April 27th, um, as that is apparently going to be a really big start to a new arc of her history. Um, I figured she's one of my favorite characters. Why don't I do a quick little preface to her before people get into that comic if they're new to the character or if they're uh, unfamiliar with her recent history, her old history, anything like that. I hope that this covers what you're wanting to know and answers all of your questions. Or, you know, just feeds your Ileana fandom. So that you have a little background, my personal thoughts on the character, um, obviously coming to know her through reading Marvel comics, I love Ileana. I think that she is generally genuinely an inspiring character. Um, as she does need a serious costume update, in my opinion, but she also deserves, she is deserving of love. So I, I think that this is going to be a lot of fun to go through. I do have a few notes before we begin here. I'm not going to go through my regular social media stuff like I do on my regular pod, uh, podcast episodes. I will go ahead and put my social media stuff in the description so we can just get right into stuff here and you don't have to wait around or do it too much skipping. So notes before we begin would be, first off, obviously apologies in advance for mispronouncing things. Um, you know, Russian names. I'll probably just be referring to Colossus as Peter. Although I have typed it every single time in the Russian spelling, I'm probably just gonna say Peter because I would feel like a loser trying to pronounce it in the Russian way. Um, but anyway, I'll also be referring to Ms. Pride as Kitty or Kate, depending on the era that we are talking about. She is Kate these days, but she did go by Kitty for the majority of the events that we're going to be discussing in Magic's history. Speaking of magic, since this is audio, I will be doing my best, uh, hopefully, to differentiate between magic, the hero name, and magic, the craft. There is spelling differences, obviously, M-A-G-I-K for the person and M-A-G-I-C, usually, for the craft, um, but you can't tell that when I speak it, so uh, hopefully I will be able to differentiate those two and we're not gonna, we're, we're not gonna get too confused. Um, I also have to put in a little bit of a content warning because this does get into some serious stuff. Uh, the content warning being for kidnapping, childhood trauma, manipulation, brainwashing, somewhat sexually inappropriate scenarios, sickness and death, etc. Et cetera, I said et cetera. Uh, but to give us a starter here, in short, 
um, because you will need a little bit of context to understand what I'm talking about as we go through all of these points here. In short, Magic is the sister of Colossus. She became tied up with the X-Men's troubles from a very young age, and at six, year old, six years old, she is kidnapped from their care. While only gone for mere moments, she spent seven years in limbo under the supervision of a demon lord named Velasco. She reappears on Earth, age 13, mutant powers and magical abilities discovered. Ileana constantly is at war with her demon side, grown by Velasco during her time in limbo. When that, when that side fully takes over, she's called Dark Child. While originally more of an anti-hero type character and often an honest-to-god villain, she's grown up and learned to accept her dark side as part of her and has more power and control than ever. The categories that we're going to be going through, um, I, I, I'm really excited. I hope you get plenty of information in this. Um, the keys, first off, I, I don't know if it's going to make sense to list them off, but I'll kind of go through them a little bit. And of course, you can find, uh, as soon as I post this episode, you can find the notes. So all of the the, the written parts of um, the written information to go along with it will be posted on my website, sensationalshegeek.weebly.com. So that's going to start off with the keys, uh, Eleanor Sputin's keys, the, some suggested reading, good stories for her character and things that... Um, are really great for her background, the various roles that Ileana takes during the comics, the specific teams that she is on, her family, which includes her parents and her two brothers, and then we have the section of friends, allies, and frenemies, which is um, cut up into friends and teammates, female role models, and teachers, and then we have the enemies section, which we have a nice couple of guys there. Uh, the alternate reality section, there are honestly almost countless alternate realities with magic in them, but I've picked out some of my favorites and some of the, uh, the more important ones, and we have those to talk about here. And after that, we will at last get into the full character biography, where I have gone through... Oh gosh, I don't know how long I've been working on Magic's reading list going through every issue she's been in, but I've added that information and information from uh, just everything that I could find between Marvel Comics and online resources uh, and broken down her entire character history from her first appearance to now. Obviously not appearance by appearance, but it's all of the important stuff that creates who Magic is. After that, because there is more, uh, I have a section talking about her various costumes, her looks. Um, there's actually a lot. There's a lot of variations in them. Uh, and then we have fan favorite moments, which thank you to the people on Twitter who responded to my question about favorite Ileana moments. I have not the usernames of the people who um, added all, who suggested all of these things, but I did add all of them in here. So hopefully if they're listening, they will hear theirs. Um, and then I have some controversial points because we can't not talk about that. It would not be fair. Uh, as well as talking about, on that note a little bit, the New Mutants movie, uh, which came out a couple of years ago and was in process for, seems like forever before that. So we'll talk a little bit about that um, and Ileana's portrayal in that movie. The podcast is going to end with a quick little wrap-up. Um, I have... Uh, some stuff that I have written myself, uh, writing about her in the past on my blog. I have some stuff that I have found really excellent quotes about her from other blogs. Um, a couple of things basically just to 
hopefully very nicely tie a little bow on the history, the character, the explanation of everything about magic, um, tie a little bow with a cherry on top. We're mixing metaphors today. I have also included the sources of all the major um, sites and things. Marvel Comics isn't really a site, but uh, uh, they're a source as well. All the sources that I got information from to use in this podcast I have listed at the bottom of the description, as well as some really cool articles that I found and accounts um, that I didn't necessarily use in the article, but they are really cool articles or resources um, that you may be interested in if you are interested in the content of this podcast. So without further ado, let's start off with the important key appearances, key issues for Ileana Rasputin. Of course, her first appearance ever in Marvel Comics was the legendary giant size X-Men number one. Now, that's not one that you're going to find at a comic shop to just pick up. That is one of the most legendary comic books of all time. Um, Without getting into all of the reasons why, it was the first appearance of the majority of, uh, oh gosh, I guess not the majority, but a bunch, well, first appearance of the the, the big X-Men team that got a lot of people, new readers on board, kicked off a whole new era, um, just really, really important issue in the history of comics in general. Uh, but that was also her first appearance. Uh, the next issue, though, outside of that, if you do want to get an early appearance, her second appearance is in Uncanny X-Men issue 148. I do have to note that there are a few issues before that that a lot of sources say she is in. She is not in those. It is a robot um, that is pretending to be her. It's dressed as her. It's not actually her. But uh, when she ages up by going back to Limbo and in just that moment and coming back 13, she ages up. That event happens where she's lost to Limbo in Uncanny X-Men number 160. That is also a really key issue in her history. Uh, The time, though, that she spends in Limbo, that gets explained in the four-issue 1983 series called Magic, Storm, and Ileana. And that's not... She doesn't get called magic until much further down the line. I'll talk about that in just a second. Um, But that was just for whatever reason. I'm not entirely sure why they chose that um, as this story title, why they chose that as her name. It was just kind of something that seemed to kind of fall into place. Um, I don't know if it was originally planned to be that way, but that was what the story was called, those four issues. Um, and then it, she is finally first referred to as magic in New Mutants number 21, which is the issue after the Demon Bear saga concludes. Um, but to backtrack just a tiny bit, she does not remember her time in Limbo until Uncanny X-Men number 171, which is also the first time that she is able to draw her soul sword it on earth um, and I believe it's the first time that she uses her powers since having left limbo after that she joins the team of the new mutants in issue 14 which is also when she reveals to everyone that she does have mutant powers um, and then like I said in issue 21 she is finally referred to as magic she is returned to Russia as a child after de-aging in the inferno event in the New Mutants issue number 77 and receives their legacy virus in the New Mutants Truth or Death 1997 series, um, which we will talk about a little bit further on when we go through that whole explanation. Um, 
And then she dies, of course, in Uncanny X-Men number 303 in 1993. I guess I said those out of order. Truth or Death was like a kind of similar to the Magic Storm and Ileana series. It was a after-the-fact explanation of how this thing happens. But then Magic does have her triumphant return. That happens. Uh, the very base issues that you would need to read to, to see her return would be New X-Men number 38 through 41, and that was the 2007 series, and X and Furnace from 2009, numbers 1 through 4, which was what it was. It was a four-issue thing. And that's pretty much the the extent of her her major keys. There's two modern ones that have been added to that that I you can decide for yourself if you consider them key, but um, we do have, in a sense, her pansexuality is confirmed in New Mutants, uh, 2019 number five, uh, which is when she has the funny line. It's it's my personal fan favorite magic moment, I think. But it's a funny line that um, we'll actually we'll save that till we get down to the fan favorite bits, way down there towards the end of the podcast. Um, and then the last key that I have for her here is she is revealed as the Sorcerer Supreme, specifically of Limbo, which was something that was a title I don't think they had been tossing around at all until this point. That happens in Death of Doctor Strange, number one, and that is something that we're going to have be picked up in the forthcoming New Mutants number twenty-five, which is coming out as I said on the twenty-seventh of April. Things that I would suggest for you to pick up and read um, specific issues and story arcs. There are a number of Uncanny X-Men issues that you could go to um, that are really good examples of Ileana as a both before joining the New Mutants and after joining the Mutants. Um, just as an X-Men, as a mutant in general. Um, but the ones that are kind of relevant, 160 and 171, I actually already listed in the keys. Uh, but then you have the uh, Uncanny X-Men Annual number 8, where the whole story is told from Ileana's perspective. She tells a fireside chat kind of story uh, to her fellow mutants, and it's, it's just a nice little one there in that series. Of course, Magic, Storm, and Ileana number 1 through 4, the original New Mutant series has a number of things that you would want to check out. Uh, Demon Bear obviously being a fantastic story. Um, number 14 is when she joins the team, reveals that she's a mutant. It's also her birthday, uh, and it covers the events of Limbo. So it's a really good one to cover her character history and kind of pick up there. There is also a special edition number one for New Mutants, where they have, it's more or less a swimsuit edition, uh, and Loki is there hanging out with them and stuff. It's just kind of a fun one. New Mutants, Truth or Death, I already explained. It's a flashback story that takes place while Ileana is dead showing how she got the legacy virus. The quest for magic is what the completed edition of all of her uh, return from the dead story is. It's a very hard to find um, uh, collected edition actual as a, as a paperback, um, but it collects the X-Men Unlimited number 14, new X-Men 33 through 43, and that was a 2007 series. Divided We Stand, number two, and as I mentioned already, X in Fairness, number one through four from 2009. As far as modern comics go, things, I suppose, post her return is what we would call that. Um, New Mutants, Dead Souls, numbers one through six. It was a six issue series. It was uh, the first time, I believe, that Ileana was leading a teen of her own 
more or less, and that was post inhuman Terrigen crisis, um, which we'll get into a little bit later. Avengers vs. X-Men is a very relevant event for her. It's her joining the Phoenix Force uh, and then losing that, of course, eventually. Empire X-Men uh, 1 through 4 was a, for, for starters, a fantastic way for them to, to to showcase the different people who were working on Jonathan Hickman's Dawn of X because they rotated creators for every issue with Jonathan Hickman just kind of overseeing it all and making sure the story goes how he wanted it to go. Uh, absolutely fantastic story. I do have my really, really um, intense reviews of those four issues linked at the bottom of the description for my blog back when that first came out. And it's really fantastic four issues that focus very heavily on Ileana and show where she is now, where things stand. Uh, and then, of course, the New Mutant series in 2019, which is still going. Um, the first, I want to say 10 or so issues, every other or so issue was written by Jonathan Hickman and it took place in this really fun story that took the New Mutants to space had that really awesome, my personal favorite fan moment for, for magic. Um, and there's some really fun stuff. Uh, absolutely fantastic, fantastically written by Hickman. Um, the only other one that I have here as a, a specific story that you could pick out would be, I have Marvel Superheroes number one, which was volume two of Marvel Superheroes, importantly. Uh, and it is a story that is featured among stories of Moon Knight, Brother Voodoo, and Hellcat. The story has magic as, as, it's a, as a solo story for her as Dark Child, where she helps a former student of Belasco named Marie. Marie dies in this issue, so Marie is not the mother of Witchfire, Belasco's daughter. I have yet to kind of figure that portion of Witchfire's history out because this is not something that I plan on talking about, but Belasco has had like three or four uh, students and, you know, there was, it was magic, there was storm, there was... Um, uh, Nastier, or whatever his name is, um, and then there were two other human women before magic, and so one of them had to have been Witchfire's mother, right? I have yet to figure that one out. Doesn't matter anyway. Moving on. The various roles that Magic Ileana Rasputin has in Marvel Comics, the first, of course, being Dark Child. That is when Magic fully transforms into her demon form. Really, it's, um, the more that magic uses her powers, the more her magic powers, that is, the more that she uh, gets becomes covered in this armor that then she, if she becomes fully covered in it, uh, she has fully transformed then into Darkchild. She is a war captain of Krakoa. If you want to con some context on that, there are four great captains of Krakoa, magic being one of them, uh, Bishop being the captain commander, Cyclops being the former captain commander, and Psylocke being the personal bodyguard for the Quiet Council, uh, which was something that she took 
up as a position after Gorgon's death during um, X of Swords. Magic is also a ruler of Limbo. She first rules Limbo when she initially beats Belasco in her seven-year stint there. After her death and subsequent resurrection, she wins the title this time from Witchfire, Belasco's daughter. She is the Sorcerer Supreme of Limbo, which was just casually tucked in there into Death of Doctor Strange number number one, um, and is going to be further delved into apparently in the upcoming arc of New Mutants. And apparently it is technically different to be the Sorcerer Supreme of Limbo than it is to be the ruler slash queen of Limbo. Magic is also a teacher at Strange Academy, um, as she was a teacher in the past for New Mutants Mm, kind of, um, in a sense. She is very protective of children having been through a lot as a child herself. Um, and in Strange Academy, she's only been in a handful of issues, I believe the most recent one being issue 16. Ileana was a member of the Phoenix Force during Avengers vs. X-Men. Other Phoenix Force members were Emma, Scott, Namor, and her brother Peter. She's also the historical token evil teammate. Um, that tends to be the role that she takes in most of her appearances because you always have to have that um, devilish kind of character causing trouble for the drama <laughs> and it's fun. Next we have the various teams that Magic has been a part of more or less in chronological order. So of course we start off with the New Mutants. I have a nice quote here um, on Chris Claremont which I have sourced down there at the bottom of the description as I keep mentioning. Uh, but it's a, it's a quote here on the team background for the New Mutants. What Chris Claremont did is unprecedented. To say he, he's the most influential writer a franchise or brand has ever seen isn't a stretch. During his run, Marvel had such faith in him that they continually tasked him with more and more X titles. This meant that on top of his commitment to the most popular book by his doing at Marvel, he was to create and write numerous spin-off titles. Although this was an undertaking that no one person should have to do, Marvel's request is understandable. Chris Claremont and his X-Men book had become the company's cash cow. Marvel was going to milk it for everything they could. Under his directive, this directive, he created Excalibur, a solo title Wolverine book, and the aforementioned New Mutants. End quote. Uh, Ileana, as I have mentioned a number of times, I know, she joins the New Mutants team in issue 14 of the original series after being a background character here and there in the first couple of issues. The original lineup of the New Mutants includes Cannonball, aka Sam Guthrie, Karma, aka Zian, I'm not going to call her Shan, That's I'm sorry, I hate that, uh, Koi Man, we have Moonstar, who is, of course, Danny Moonstar, Wolfsbane, Rain Sinclair, and Sunspot, Roberto da Costa. We also have Magma, Amara, Aquila, Aquila? I'm sorry, I have no idea. Uh, Cypher, Doug Ramsey, and Warlock, who are all added later on in the series. The Hellions team! After suffering a severe trauma at the hands of the Beyonder, a number of the New Mutants were transferred to the Massachusetts Academy by Magneto, who was then the headmaster at Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters, due to their apparent need for psychic therapy from Emma Frost. 
while at the Academy, the transferred New Mutants, aka Cannonball, Wolfsbane, Karma, Cypher, Magic, and Magma, were inducted into the Hellions. They soon returned to Xavier's school after their recovery and the revelation that the White Queen had employed Empath to coerce Magneto into allowing the transfer. After an alliance between the X-Men and the Hellfire Club, and, the, and Magneto's ascension to the inner circle as its white king, relations between the Hellions and the New Mutants improved. Next, we have the Phoenix Force, which was something that she, uh, the whole team was created in Avengers vs. X-Men number five. Again, that is Ileana Rasputin's magic, Emma Frost's they call her the White Queen still, but there you go. Uh, Peter Rasputin's Colossus, uh, Scott Summer's Cyclops, and Namor's Submariner, I guess? Yeah. Uh, and they all became the five hosts of the singular Phoenix Force, because not, not no single one of them could control its power. Bada bing, bada boom, five. She also is a member of Cyclops' Extinction Team, which is the Uncanny X-Men 2012 series. The members included Cyclops, Emma Frost, Colossus, Namor, Magic, Storm, Danger, Magneto, and Hope Summers. The explanation for the Schism team is basically that after Schism, the X-Men split from Utopia into groups, one with Wolverine, one with Cyclops. Cyclops' X-Men were called his Extinction Team. He wanted to make sure that the Extinction Team was seen as Earth's mightiest heroes. Um, and despite having an abrasive personality, Magic remains loyal to Cyclops' side and the X-Men in general, and eventually does regret ruining her relationship with her brother. Which, you know, happens. New Mutants Dead Souls is the first team that she officially led, I believe. It was from the 6th issue 2018 series by Matthew Rosenberg. Other team members were Richter, Boom Boom, Strong Guy, and Wolfsbane. I don't really like any of those team members, honestly. So I wasn't such a big fan of the series. They spend an awful lot of time worrying about Ileana in the series when they really all have their own issues that they should be focusing on. It's just a lot of pointing fingers to magic and judgment to take eyes off their own flaws. Savage Avengers, she is a team member. She joins the team in issue number 12 after having helped them after having helped them in issue zero. Uh, she helps them with a dragon situation, but then decides not to kill him in the end. Lastly, she is a member of the Dark Riders, which are traditionally a villain X-Men team, this time taken up by Magic and a team of monster mutants. That includes Marrow, Forearm, Shark Girl, Wolf Club, and Mamomax. I don't know why they're called that. Uh, and that is something that we see in X-Men Curse of the Man-Thing number one. Now that we've covered all of that business, let's talk about Magic's family, the family of Ileana Rasputin. Starting off, of course, with her parents. Again, I know I already apologize for the mispronunciations, but it's going to get pretty intense here, so I'm quite apologetic. <laughs> there is no amount of practice that would have saved this from happening this poorly. So, uh, sorry, but here we go. Ileana Nikolovina Rasputina was born in the Utsk-Ordinsky collective farm near Lake Baikal, Siberia, Russia, SFSR, Soviet Union, Whew. to Nikolai Rasputin and his wife Alex Alexandra Natalia Rasputina. Hoy. 
Uh, now, post-de-aging and returning to Russia, Magic was just seven years old when government officials came after her, knowing that she would be a mutant who would eventually manifest her powers. They killed her parents at this point to secure her, hoping to use her abilities to defeat some threat. Ileana ended up moving in with her brother and the X-Men at Charles Xavier's mansion once again, and then, you know, dies not long after that. Now, her brother, Peter Rasputin, is the middle child. He is Colossus um, of the X-Men. Uh, they have a really... Uh, they have a bit of a complicated history. Um, uh, obviously, being very, very close. Um, probably the biggest bump in their relationship was the time where... Um, Colossus was it was when they were all part of the Phoenix Force and there was the unstoppable juggernaut and um, due to basically Peter thinking that he could take the entire Phoenix Force on by his own because he also had the uh, the gem of Sidorak which was the whole thing that juggernaut gets its powers from right um, and he being you know under the influence of these two things the Phoenix force as well as the gem of Sidorak uh, is all egotistical and thought that he could take it um, and that's basically when he finds out that uh, magic had the power to take away his connection to the gem of Sidorak at any point in time which for the entire time that he's had it has caused like super intense destruction which you know if you know peter is he is not about he is like a gentle giant basically so he finds out that a she tricked him into getting the gem of sidorak and b she lied to him saying that he's stuck with it now when she could just cleanse him of it at any point um, it, it, it kind of, it, it's a bit of a rough patch for their relationship. Her reasoning being she wanted him to understand, uh, having demonic influences on himself so that he could understand her better. But at that point, you know, he says if he ever sees her again, he'll kill her. So, you know, a little, little bit of a rough patch. There is a period that Ileana and all of the others believe Colossus to be dead, uh, that he was killed in Texas. But really he... He went and spent some time in Scotland healing. I think he was there with like X Factor or something. Good for them. Um, the relationship between Peter and his sister is legendarily close, but it is it seems to be put through the ringer time and time again, especially after Ileana comes back from the dead. But all things considered, they are on pretty good terms today, these days. Uh, that being said, though, Peter is currently been brainwashed by um, people involved with his evil brother, Mikhail, um, to give Krakoan information to the enemy Russians. Um, the real problem in that situation, though, is not just that. It is the fact that he has now been put on the quiet council of Krakoa, so he is privy to all of the dirty mutant secrets, and thusly, so is Russia. We have the third sibling, the oldest brother in the family, Mikhail Rasputin. His first appearance was Uncanny X-Men number 285. Um, he is what you call an alpha mutant. His power is spatial warping. He has the ability to manipulate subatomic matter and warp energy by altering their wavelengths, 
to an unknown degree. He has used these energies to teleport through space, but at considerable risk. He is also able to fire spatial blasts and affect another's energy-based powers, such as when he turned Iceman fully solid. One of the most relevant things in history about Mikhail is when he knowingly gives magic the legacy virus that eventually kills her, which takes place in New Mutants Truth or Death 1 through 3. I, I, I said I was going to talk about this more, so here we go. Uh, during the series, he manipulates his sister Ileana into coming to the present from the past where the story started when she was alive and had magical abilities, uh, saying that she that he could cure her of the legacy virus that was dormant inside of her, but which would eventually kill her. In reality, however, Mikhail hoped to use Ileana's magically bolstered immune system to help cure his own infection. She did not actually have the legacy virus at that point. The process failed, though, and Ileana herself was, of course, infected with the legacy virus as a result, so, in effect, Mikhail Rasputin helped kill his own sister. Good guy. Uh, in more modern history, um, during the, let's see, during the, the examination of corpses from this Russian company Zeno, uh, their enhanced soldiers, you have Beast Sage and Celia Reyes who are doing the examination, and they are all shocked to discover that the soldiers were bioengin biologically engineered to have smaller soldier agents nested inside of them like nesting dolls. Kind of funny because of the whole Russian nesting dolls thing, but like also horrifying. Uh, one of these small soldiers was able to steal the Cerebro sword, murder Kid Omega with it, he got better, and use this dying body to access a Krakoan gateway to Russia to deliver the sword to Mikhail Rasputin. Mikhail then presented the sword to the man with the peacock tattoo and Zeno, who I remind you are both Russian agents, or agencies, I guess. Mikhail returned to the living in Siberia, where the man with the peacock tattoo gave him a group of Russian super power, Russian superpowered soldiers. That's when Chronicle go Chronicler goes and manipulates Peter's mind, and now they have all the information they need. So the people who are manipulating uh, Colossus right now are the combination of Russian agents, which include Mikhail, the man with the peacock tattoo the Chronicler, and the corporation Xeno. Oh, I did want to mention one thing I forgot to mention about Peter. Uh, there's a couple of cliches that you come across in uh, the, the Rasputin family. One being, of course, that they are sensual Slavs, right? Um, you have... You have Colossus, who is a husky rusky, which is a uh, cliche, a trope, I guess you would say. Uh, and then Ileana is a sensual Slav who is this like svelte, dangerous blonde who's like super lethal in a midriff bearing outfit. And it's, it's a funny thing, whatever. Our next topic is Ileana's friends, allies, and frenemies. And like I said, we are going to go through uh, three categories, which actually aren't friends, allies, and frenemies. The three categories are friends and teammates, female role models, and teachers. So starting off with friends and teammates, uh, of course, the number one being Kate Pride. Their relationship in short is that Ileana has always been really close with Kitty slash Kate. Their bond ran so deep that when an angry Beyonder erased magic and the new mutants from existence, Kitty was the only one who remembered her. 
and the rest got better. She first appeared in 1980's Uncanny X-Men number 129, introduced as a young teenager who had just learned that she was a mutant with the ability to phase through objects. Magic rescues Kitty from Emma Frost in New Mutants number 17. Kitty tells a young Ileana a bedtime story about the X-Men earlier on, a lot of which ended up coming out to be true. That happens in Uncanny X-Men number 153. Uh, Kitty or Kate x Iliana is one of the most popular ships among online fans in X-Men fanfiction, fan videos, and more. It's not just popular, it's a bit of a conspiracy where some fans actually insist the two of them are romantically inclined towards one another. Although not canon, it doesn't take much reading, especially of the Claremont era stuff, to see why they'd have that idea, and I am certainly not against it. Chris Claremont was far from subtle when it came to the queer subtext in his work, oftentimes because of the Comics Code Authority, which wouldn't allow openly queer topics or characters in comic books, through to the early 90s, if you can believe that. He wrote Kitty as the only person with a strong enough connection to Ileana that she was able to wield the Soul Sword, and they'd often spend their nights having tickle fights, so you might say, that would get so intense that Kitty would cause them to accidentally phase through the bed. Adding to that, years later, in the pages of Astonishing X-Men, Joss Whedon and John Cassidy would establish this as something that happens to Kitty when she is aroused. Don't even get me started on how creepy that is. I, I think we all felt that. Plus, Kitty was confirmed bisexual in Jonathan Hickman's Dawn of X during Jerry Duggan's Marauders series. Although it hasn't been picked back up on as of yet, it certainly hasn't been forgotten by fans in the slightest. There's a lot more on Kitty's bisexuality I found in an article on Games Radar of all sites, which I'll link at the bottom of the description so I don't end up going off on a tangent about just Kate. But their similar age friendship and one-time roommates isn't the only tie the two girls have, as Kitty seemed to have always have a crush on Ileana's brother, Peter, aka Colossus of the X-Men. As time goes on, the two of them are forced apart and they split up at a few different occasions, such as when they choose opposite sides of the Cyclops-Wolverine feud. Then, in 2018's X-Men Gold number 30, Kitty and Peter are meant to be married, but it was Ileana of all people who basically talked her friend into calling it all off for good, once and for all. The night before the wedding, Kitty joins Ileana on the roof for a private chat. Sensing something is wrong, Kitty pries it out of her, with Ileana reluctantly telling her that she doesn't think Kitty should marry her brother. She says their romance has been on and off for so long, over 30 years, real time, and despite their affection for each other, it's never quite worked out for them. Ileana tells Kitty that she thinks that if it was going to happen, it would have happened by now, thus planting that seed of doubt in Kitty's mind. At the wedding the next day, everything seems to be going fine, and both Kitty and Peter are so elated to be marrying each other, but when the time comes to put the ring onto her finger, Colossus's hand passes right through. Kitty is known to lose control of her abilities under extreme stress, and in seeing herself lose control at that moment, she knows she can't go through with this. She later explains to Peter that speaking with her rabbi opened her eyes to what a messy foundation this was to start a marriage on, and that she had never had a chance to see who she is without him by her side, as she's wanted to be with him since childhood, basically. They split amicably after their talk and return to the wedding party, which has moved on to the spur-of-the-moment marriage of Rogue and Gambit, who later have a proper wedding in the Mr. and Mrs. X limited series. 
The friendship of Kate and Yana has continued since then through Dawn of X to where we are now, and I am so certain for far, far into the future. The next friend is Doug Ramsey. This one is apparently another fairly popular ship, which I hadn't even thought of before starting this podcast's research, but there we go. As co-members of the original New Mutants team, Doug and Ileana become actually very close over the years, with her clearly favoring him as a friend and teammate in all her forms. It helps that Doug, at least from what I've seen, has always been the one teammate to approach things that are new and different with no judgment, likely a trait he picked up due to his powers of omnilingual translation, which is the official title of what his powers are, believe it or not. In New Mutants 1983, number 60, the team loses one of their own, and each one deals with them their own way. Of course, one of their own being Doug. For Ileana, this involves violent acts of vengeance against those responsible. Magic subdues the an the animator, the man who murdered Doug, and nearly kills him with the same gun she he used to shoot her friend with. While Wolfsbane manages to talk her out of killing him herself, this doesn't stop Ileana from throwing animator into limbo and feeding him to her demons. Similarly, when one of the villain's henchmen tries to retaliate against the team, Magic personally escorts him to limbo while taking on her more demonic form. With devil horns and goat's feet, the queen of limbo throws her captive headlong into the demon pits and watches as he's ripped to shreds, all in Doug's name and memory. Fast forward to modern history in X of Swords, Doug, who of course has been long since alive and well, is chosen as one of the representatives of mutant kind to fight in the battles of X of Swords. Of course, his mutant power is basically brain-based, giving him no real leg up in the battle in any way, so you would think. In fact, he wasn't even trained with the sword when he was chosen as representative. Knowing this, it is Ileana Rasputin who steps in to try and save her old friend by teaching him swordplay as quickly and realistically as she can. Interestingly, due to Doug's powers of understanding all languages, he's able to learn swordplay at this at a faster rate actually quite well. Ileana is there for him when he needed the support, although she's also brutally honest or perhaps unable to lie to him, telling him if he does end up having to fight with a sword against a solid foe, he likely doesn't stand a solid chance, but she still wishes him the best. Ileana never was one to pull her punches. And to follow that up, luckily for Doug, though his battle is against the most one of the most formidable Iraqi, Bay of the Blood Moon, their challenge is actually not to fight, but to wed, and wed they do in one of my absolute favorite X-Men issues of all time, creating my favorite X, one of my favorite X-relationships of all time. Next up is Kurt Wagner, aka Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler Volume 1, Numbers 1 through 4, just a four-issue series, it has light to medium use of Ileana as a friend of Kurt. Their age difference makes him more of a big brother type of friend to her, as well as his friendship with her real big brother, Colossus. Nightcrawler is one of the alternate reality X-Men she faces off with in Limbo as a child, but he is twisted and warped under Belasco's magic and is killed by the same reality's version of Shadowcat. In the finale of Empire X-Men number 4, Darkchild wins the battle for the X-Men and afterwards gives a grand speech about how all the X-Men on Genosha are her slaves now, and begins to talk about how Kurt will be her special sex slave because she lusts after his hot bod. I'm not even joking. Uh, but she is interrupted by then reducing back to her regular form as Ileana. 
uh, I think it is Beast who comments about how embarrassing that would be, but she disagrees. Hashtag no regrets. I'm actually going to refer to this again at the wrap-up. Um, so stick around. We also have Rain, um, who is uh, Wolfsbane. She is a fellow original New Mutants lineup member. Rain was hugely mistrusting of Ileana when she first joined the New Mutants, going as far as to accuse her of being behind several plots they faced. By the time Inferno was ending, Magic was fighting both demons and her own demonic dark side. Rain was the one to be most vocal about her not giving in and not ending her six-year-old self's life in a mercy killing. After Ileana de-aged after that event, she lived with the New Mutants in New York for a time with Rain, uh, while she looked after a number of children, Ileana included. In that time, she came to care for Ileana like a surrogate mother. Danny Moonstar, aka Moonstar, aka Psyche, is that Psyche? Yeah, aka Mirage, aka Spellbinder, aka one of Hela's Valkyries, also a original New Mutants teammate. Danny and Magic seem to have a fairly close relationship based more in having a long history together rather than being particularly good friends. I attribute this to Danny taking on the role of leader very early on in the New Mutants team and thus always having to be the one to correct Yana when she steps out of line. They've battled more than a few times, usually as Danny versus Darkchild, but they do care about each other and protect one another as teammates to this day. Karma is... Jian Koi Man, aka Shan, for some godforsaken reason still, um, she is one of the New Mutants original lineup members as well. At one point, Karma becomes trapped inside Legion's mutilated mind, and Magic is the one to dive in after her. The world Ileana finds herself in is a different kind of hell than the one that she's accustomed to, filled with long, dark corridors and an army of alternate personalities. Legion's altars swarm her, believing themselves invincible within David Holler's mind. This illusion of immortality is eradicated as the sorceress cuts them down with her soul sword. After defeating a few of them, Ileana demands to be brought to Karma, in which she, uh, the, the altars fearfully comply. And of course, they are uh, long friends from being on the New Mutants team as well. Finally, Amanda Sefton. Not actually... Um, somebody who's very close to Ileana at all, uh, but she is worth mentioning because she is the other magic, takes up the name while Ileana is dead. Her real name is Jemaine Zardos. I'm not sure if I said that right. She is a foster sister and <laughs> lover to Kurt, which um, is less weird than it sounds because they don't start the lover part until way down the line. <laughs> I think, God, I hope. Uh, she is actually a witch, not a mutant. Her first appearance was X-Men number 98 in April 76 by Chris Claremont and Dave Cockrum. Amanda convinced Shadowcat to give her, this is all post, of course, post Ileana Sith, to give her Magic's soul sword for safekeeping. Amanda thought it was it best to hand the sword over to her mother, however, only too late did Amanda realize that she was tricked by her own mother, who wanted the soul sword to kill all those ahead of her on the winding path. I don't know what any of that means. Uh, but that takes place in Excalibur 84 to 85. After, as magic, Amanda takes control of Limbo. During one of Nightcrawler's trips to Limbo to visit her, Amanda secretly hid the powerful soul sword in Kurt's body, thinking it was safe there since his soul was the purest that she could find. 
Then she plunged out of the dimensional portal sometime later and a blast of flaming energy uh, had a rough landing and pleaded, help, someone help me, he's back. Amanda was driven out of limbo by Belasco while he searched for magic. Um, although she had fought and defeated Belasco in the past, he appears to be more powerful now, and without the soul sword, Amanda was no match. Once Ileana took control of Limbo again, Amanda found her access to the dimension to be shut off. Her female role models, starting off with Moira McTaggart. The Scottish Moira cares for Ileana when she first returns from Limbo, as Xavier thinks she needs a female role model. She spends a number of issues going on trips across the world with her, meeting dignitaries and Scottish love interests and whatnot. Much later, Moira is crushed to hear that Ileana suffers from the legacy virus and was dying in X-Men issues 300 through 303. In Dawn of X and Beyond, the relationship between Moira and Magic is basically cast aside with the founding of her mutant powers, as well as Moira's relationship with pretty much all other mutants except Charles and Magneto. In the modern era, Moira is very much a different character than she was under Chris Claremont. Stevie Hunter. As a friend of the X-Men, she is kind of their magical black friend. And if you go, um, I have linked in the bottom the Instagram account for the Mighty Zoe. Uh, that's Z Zero Zo um, on Instagram for more historical and modern misuse of um, black and indige- black indigenous and people of color uh, characters in comments comics and animation. Really, really cool account. I definitely recommend following it. Uh, Stevie Hunter was a professional dancer, but an injury to her knee ruined her career and forced her to to discontinue her dancing full-time. Instead, she runs a dance studio that Kitty and Ileana join when they are roommates as teens. She later began physical education classes for the Rookie New Mutants, which she would continue over the years. Stevie is dragged into the dangerous affairs of the various X-teams, no matter how much she tries to avoid it. At one point, she and the New Mutants were involved in a fight against the demon Sim, who attacks them inside the X-Mansion. In trying to get a rattled magic away from the fight, of course she would be rattled, she ends up face-to-face with the demon. Her life was saved but only by the magical might of Ileana herself, which actually ends up turning the demon Sim's loyalties to her. While Ileana was sick with the legacy virus, Stevie helps take care of her while the team is off on missions. In more recent history, it was revealed that Stevie Hunter is a congresswoman striving to help the mutant cause. Again, that, you know, it's a nice thought, but it is pretty problematic that she doesn't have a story of her own. She is just a tool for the X-Men to use as nuded. Nuded. Needed. (laughs) Next up is Aurora Monroe, aka Storm. Magic encounters and trains under another reality storm, who she finds also trapped in Belasco's limbo. There, this other storm becomes very much a mother figure to Ileana, the way our storm is to Kitty Pride, as well as a magical teacher, mentor, and caretaker. Unfortunately, when things go haywire, Ileana is forced to kill this version of Storm to avoid her being turned into a tool for Belasco's use. She plants Storm's soul as a tree in her limbo secret garden and spends many years tending to it. Since the Storm of Our reality was so close to Kitty slash Kate, she was by default also fairly close to Ileana, though never as close as the two were in limbo. 
Uncanny X-Men Annual number 9 has a story where Kitty dreams of Dark Child battling Storm, the goddess of thunder. It's a fun one you might want to check out. Now for Carol Danvers. Carol and the X-Men have a deeply involved history and have for decades. I'll get more into that when I talk about the Marvels in June. Uh, much of Carol's history with them is tied up with encounters with Rogue. When Carol unexpectedly finds herself 30-ish years in the future in Captain Marvel number 22, which is the same world from Captain Marvel The End, the Era's team of heroes is under attack from demons from Limbo, who we know, of course, are being released by magic. But she's not doing it willingly. It turns out that the son of Namor and Enchantress, I believe his name was Orm? No, that's, that's, that's Aquaman's uncle. Whatever. Uh, the son of Namor and Aquaman's brother. Namor, an enchantress, has her under uh, a spell that his mother cooked up, enchantress cooked up, uh, for that forces magic to use her powers to their will. Carol is successful in saving magic from that, but we don't see what really happens afterwards, as magic immediately sends Carol back to where she came from in her own timeline. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that wraps up in Captain Marvel issue 24. After that, Carol approaches as many magicians as she can, asking for training, but Stephen Strange warns them all not to let her learn magic. Magic herself is included in that montage. In the forthcoming video game Midnight Suns, that is Sun spelled S-U-N-S, Carol teams up with Magic, Doctor Strange, Captain America, Blade, Wolverine, Nico Minoru, Iron Man, Ghost Rider, and the new character that you play as the player of the game, um, I suppose. I, I, uh, the Midnight Suns team, I guess their new Midnight Suns team, it's a classic team from the comics, Ghost Rider and Blade, uh, historically were on it. Uh, what it says about the game is, quote, experience an immersive personal story as you battle corrupted versions of iconic Marvel characters and rise up against the demonic forces of Lilith to stop her reviving her evil master, Cthon. That's like just a bucket of like random mythological terms. They just mash together. I'm into it though. And finally, Black Widow, who is a fellow Russian, uh, but they don't really interact as much as you might expect, perhaps. Um, the one really notable thing that I could find was in Avengers vs. X-Men, uh, she and Black Widow fight on the blue area of the moon just before the phoenix is attempted to be torn apart by Iron Man. Their dialogue switches back and forth between English and Russian in quite a liberal way, so they at least have some familiarity with each other, if not just a cultural familiarity. As a kind of fun fact, also, Natasha is apparently a descendant of Romanovs, and Ilyana being a descendant of Rasputins. Those are two families that were historically taken down by the Red Revolution in 1918 Russia. Not something that's relevant in the comics yet, but maybe someday. And finally, the, the three teachers that Magic notably has over her history. The first being, of course, Professor X. Xavier taught her English, but not himself, uh, not in a classroom setting. Ileana became fluent in a single night because he used his telepathic abilities to plant the language in her brain while she slept. While it's a fast way to learn a language, it is also incredibly invasive, which is par for the course with Professor X's treatment of his students. 
After her initial return from Limbo, she possessed powerful psychic defenses due to her demonic side, enough to keep Charles Xavier from reading her thoughts. His inability to connect with the student without touching her mind is not only a big red flag, but the main part of why he sent her off to be companion to Moira while she traveled and worked as a human relations expert, so to say, for the mutants. Dr. Strange, Stephen Strange, is likely the teacher. I mean, I think it's beyond like, I think it's certainly the teacher that she should have had from the start. In Uncanny X-Men Volume 3, I believe issue 7, she, 7 or 17, she starts studying magic with Stephen Strange, a version of him that has yet to join the Avengers even. She has repeatedly shown she has a large respect for Doctor Strange's prowess in the mystic arts, despite being on opposite teams at various moments. She even takes lessons from him in the past to control her powers better. When the Avengers and X-Men start to fight over the arrival of the Phoenix Force, Doctor Strange follows magic into her home dimension as she prepares for an escape route for the X-Men. The Doctor hoped he would catch her by surprise, but to his dismay, the magician was prepared for his arrival. The two masters of the mystic arts clash in limbo, though sadly most of the fight happens off panel. When the audience sees the two again, it appears that Doctor Strange is the victor, but it's quickly revealed to be an illusion cast by magic to trick the Avengers and make a quick getaway for the X-Men. In Savage Avengers, Stephen Strange approaches her for assistance on a mission. Magic was not at all surprised to see him and readily agrees to join him in his fight with Kulong Goth. In certain other realities as well, it is confirmed that Magic takes up Strange's mantle of Sorcerer Supreme after his death, along with his blessing. Finally, the last teacher we're going to talk about is Magneto. He was a one-time teacher of the New Mutants, Ileana included. Uh, later on, when she de-aged to her pre-mutant powered self, he is the White King of the Hellfire Club, and the other Hellfire Club members blame Magneto's poor job of teaching uh, for the mutant population's loss of Ileana. Our next category is covering Ileana's enemies, starting off, of course, with Belasco. During her days as a prisoner of Limbo, Ileana suffered greatly under the Demon King, Belasco. Belasco had her soul ripped out, chased mercilessly by demons, and watched friends and family die until she was alone with the demonic hordes and their king. However, after years of learning magic and focusing her will on creating the Soul Sword, the young girl obtained the power she needed to make Belasco pay. Ileana overwhelmed the Demon King with her rage, her demonic magic rising as she transformed into a devilish form. After defeating her enemy, Ileana claimed the power of Limbo for herself, only sparing the former ruler out of fear of completely losing her humanity. After she was recreated by Belasco as Darkchild, she had no soul, but she got better. Sim is a demon. He's a funny one. Uh, mostly a villain, but at times he will choose her side over, say, Witchfire, Belasco's daughter. I think what it tends to come down to is that Sim is loyal to whoever is most powerful and will treat him most favorably with that power. He doesn't seem to be a natural leader like Magic or Nastir, uh, and I think he knows that. Dormammu. He is another magic user and sorcerer supreme of the Dark Dimension. Dormammu made way for Witchfire to hurt Ileana in Exfernus, and then much later tries to kill her in Bendis' Uncanny X-Men. However, this invasion of Limbo, as it were, goes incredibly south for him, and he ends up begging for his life after magic absorbs the entirety of Limbo Dimension into herself. The, the fourth and final villain here, 
I don't know how to pronounce his name, so we're gonna go with Nastier, because that's what it looks like. Magic first meets this demon when he is in limbo during the Inferno event, where he pulls her through time and space to speak with her. He tells her he was Belasco's first student, but he was turned down over Storm and then herself. She makes a deal with him to fight Sim, and in the process of accepting more of her own dark power, is transformed into the scaly, red-bodied demon of Dark Child. Magic is then fully transformed into a fuzzy red-headed demon and opens up a doorway to Earth after being tricked by Nastir, leaving the world open for an invasion from Limbo. Currently, probably still as punishment for that, Nastir is being tortured in Limbo on Magic's command. He's being tortured by demons playing the kazoo. The next category that I want to talk about is the various alternate realities that Magic um, is in, and alternate versions of her. There are, if you go to uh, the Marvel fandom site, there's a lot of alternate versions of her. Um, so I have a number of them here, there's quite a few, uh, that I thought were really fun and interesting or somehow relevant, so we're going to talk about those. The first off being one of the more recent ones, it is the Inferno alternate reality, which took place in the 2015 Secret Wars event. Taking place in Secret Wars, uh, it was where the world is Battle World, a mishmash of different dimensions and realities and timelines that all converged on one planet. In the Inferno part of that dimension, Colossus and his X-Men friends try to rescue Ileana from where she's apparently been stolen by Madeline Pryor, the Goblin Queen. Years pass, and finally he gets inside the building, only to find that Ileana has actually fully embraced her Dark Child form and turns against his rescuing efforts. Other characters in this reality are a wildly twisted version of Nightcrawler, Domino, Maddie Pryor, of course, and her son, Nathan, the future Cable. Captain Marvel, the end, future timeline. This is Earth 20368. Um, it picks up in, uh, it starts in Captain Marvel, the end, and picks up in Captain Marvel 22 through 24-ish. Carol is transported about 30 years into the future, where she meets a number of heroes and their descendants, including Magic, who is being used by the local villain for her powers. But it is Magic who gets Carol back to her regular timeline. What if Magic number 1 from 2018 is Earth 18133, where Ileana leaves the New Mutants and the X-Men to find training elsewhere for her magic? She gets it from Doctor Strange, creates a soul staff, and grows into her own powers. Doctor Strange The End also takes place in that same reality, Earth 18133. It came out two years later-ish, a year and a half later in 2020. On a future technologically dominated Earth, Doctor Strange is the last sorcerer. The death or disappearance of all others, especially Wanda Maximoff, has depleted the magic in the world so that Strange now mostly does tarot readings for a skeptical public. He gathers the corpses of Wanda and other and Wanda and others and disintegrates his body with theirs. Doing so releases his disciple, Ileana Rasputin, from the interdimensional prison where she was trapped in decades ago. Ileana finds that Strange prepared a school for her to run to train new magic users, with himself in spirit form as an advisor, and her as Sorcerer Supreme of Earth. Age of Apocalypse is Earth 295. In this reality, after, after 
Apocalypse's attacks on Russia, Ileana is taken to the slave camp known as the Core, located in Seattle, which provides energy for Apocalypse's empire. In Earth 4210, uh, this was a reality where Ileana is a member of the Exiles. Uh, magic appears to come from a world where she has just recently or has never been changed back into a child due to the manipulations of the demon Belasco. She has not exhibited the same level of demonic abilities as her counterpart from Earth 616, except for the ability to create soul swords. The reason for that is never explained. She first appears in Exiles 2001 number 22 and dies in issue 44. The House of M reality is Earth 58163. Here Ileana is a member of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, a S.H.I.E.L.D. squadron actually, of young mutants called the Hellions. It's just pretty funny. Notably, Ileana has died of the legacy virus and remained deceased at this time and after. Her being sort of brought back to life for Wanda's House of M reality sparked Belasco's greedy attention, spurring him to later bring her back to life, albeit without a soul. What if volume two, number 12, was what if the X-Men had stayed in Asgard? This is Earth 904. Here, Ileana is one of the new mutants who chooses to remain in the realm eternal, aka Asgard. She eventually replaces Enchantress as Asgard's supreme sorceress and assumes a secondary role as liaison between her teammate, Danny Moonstar, the new ruler of hell, and Asgard. What a sick world. That's so cool. In What If Fantastic Four number 1, 2006, we see Earth 717, one of four cosmonauts sent into space in an experimental shuttle in 1951. Ileana Rasputina was exposed to cosmic radiation along with her brother Peter and comrades Rud Richards and Natasha Romanoff. Return to Earth, a changed man. At the suggestion of Victor Von Doom, Rasputina and others were recognized as the ultimate Federalist Freedom Fighters, Soviet Union's premier superhero team. In the Marvel Mangaverse, which is Earth 2301, Ileana is a succubus who tried to seduce Jenna Pyre, who is basically their Jean Grey, and it's not a typo, it is Jenna Pyre, <laughs> using her seductive charm magic. Before anything serious could happen, Madeline Pyre, who seemed to know uh, Ileana as she called her by her name, returned, to st returned and stopped the demon from preying on her sister, scolding her for what she was uh, almost for what she almost did to Jenna. Madeline allows Ileana to go. Marvel Zombies Resurrection is Earth one nine one two one, where uh, magic is zombified and responsible for the survivors inability to find the zombie force as she gathered their forces in or sorry source as she gathered their forces in limbo which she still has control over as an intelligent zombie which is utterly terrifying <laughs> and finally in x-force annual number one what they call the shattershot universe earth 84309 here Ileana was regressed in the same way she was as earth 616 but she never succumbs to the legacy virus in that childhood era. She grows up to master her mutant and mystical powers naturally, calls herself Dark Child, and joins X-Force alongside Sunspot and Cannonball. And again, do feel free to look into other uh, multiversal versions of Ileana, because again, there are a lot. And now, let's dive straight into her full character biography. 
Ileana's first appearance is giant-sized X-Men number one, where her brother's mutant powers manifest as he saves her from a loose tractor in their native Russia. The first time Ileana is a notable character is an arc where she doesn't physically appear when she is among the kidnapped and brought to the US in Uncanny X-Men 145 through 147. She remains a background character for some time until she is tricked and kidnapped by the demon Belasco in Uncanny X-Men 160. While the X-Men were busy in a training session, a voice called out to her. It said, Tell no one, Ileana. Just follow my voice to paradise. That was Belasco, who she goes to. He tells her about the Beatrix medallion, where if she finds its five bloodstones, she'll come to find her true potential. After learning that she is missing, the team immediately set out to find and rescue her. There is a skerfuffle, and they almost lose Ileana back to Limbo. In that moment, she slips through the portal for just a second before being immediately pulled back and rescued for good. While she is gone for mere moments, they pull her back as a 13-year-old girl. Ileana doesn't remember what happened in that time until Uncanny X-Men 171, where she remembers her time in Limbo. From Yana's perspective, it took place over the course of seven years. Six when she left, thirteen when she returns, the same age as Kitty. The events that caused this are left mostly unrevealed until about a year later when Magic, Storm, and Ileana is published, a four-issue exploration of Ileana's seven long years in Limbo. And here is a summary of Magic, Storm, and Ileana. To explain the Beatrix Medallion, here we have to stand, understand why she was given the Beatrix Medallion is to know that Belasco planned to use Ileana to free the Elder Gods from the prison that held them hostage. The only way to free them was to fill the Beatrix Medallion with five bloodstones and use its power. The only way to acquire the bloodstones was to corrupt the body and mind of another. Because Ileana was so young and impressionable, Belasco figured that he could easily get what he wanted by using her. In the end, he is unsuccessful. When she first arrives in Limbo for her seven-year-long seven stay, dropped from the rescuing arms of the X-Men for just a moment, she becomes the student of Belasco in all things magic. He uses her impressionable mind to make her believe he cares for her, that she is important and on the verge of greatness. But as his nefarious true plan for her becomes more and more clear, Ileana ends up escaping from his domain into other parts of Limbo. An important thing to note here is that Ileana was not the only mutant or X-Men in Limbo. Long ago, another Dimensions team of X-Men had a similar journey into Limbo, but did not leave as successfully as ours. Many were killed, and others left behind in Limbo for good. This included Storm and Kitty Pride. This other Storm, very similar if not identical to ours, retained her mental faculties and became herself a magical student of Belasco's teachings for a time, before discovering him evil and finding her own corner of Limbo, where she created a tiny paradise. Kitty Pride, however, was not so lucky and had regressed into a kind of cat-like being under Belasco's magics. Eventually, Ileana decides to return to Belasco because she knows the only way to leave this place for good is to become her fully powered self, and that would take Belasco's teachings. She becomes quite powerful, but before she can escape, Belasco orders her to kill Storm, or the Storm that lives in Limbo. And she does, but she doesn't do it for Belasco. She does it to spare her from becoming the human sacrifice that he needed. When it is done, Ileana takes Storm's soul and transforms it into a tree, planting it in her garden paradise. 
She spends years under it, surviving and honing her skills on her own. When she, when the tree finally dies, as nothing good can truly survive on its own in limbo, in her grief, Ileana forms her from her own energy, her soul sword, which she soon learns to control stepping, use to control stepping discs, which are portals through space and time. She even manages a portal back to Earth's Russia and sees her parents, but they do not recognize her. So she is disheartened and returns to limbo. In her final escape attempt, the one where her own X-Men finally rescue her, Belasco throws everything he has at her, which includes the corpses of the other dimensional X-Men team who came before she and hers. The tortured bodies of her brother and his teammates haunted her around every corner, while a warped Nightcrawl Nightcrawler and Kitty Pride try to kill her. Ileana ends up killing Kitty, more cat than human, to save her. And then she is gone, rescued by her real brother and his friends, with no memory of what happened. Since Ileana returned to Earth the same age as Kitty Pride, the two girls immediately start becoming closer. A note on her creation. Before Chris Claremont, magic was Ileana Rasputin, and Ileana Rasputin was merely a footnote in her brother Colossus' history. The original inspiration for her character, according to Chris Claremont, was that Ileana absolutely was and is corrupt to her core, and over a long enough timeline would eventually succumb to that corruption. She didn't want to, however. This is easy to see in the original New Mutants run, as even back then, Ileana was visibly more willing to use deadly force than any other member of the team. Ileana remains a side character for that year after her return from Limbo and is finally brought into the New Mutants team in issue 14. Although I do want to note, the appearances she does have in that time are fairly noteworthy. I have a favorite panel of Yana that takes place in Uncanny X-Men 164, the same issue where Carol Danvers becomes binary, where Professor X tries to scan her mind and is surprised to find it hidden behind incredibly powerful wards, and she just looks over at him over her cup creepily, and I, I love it. Uncanny X-Men 168 is a great issue to show how Ileana's role was before joining the New Mutants as a friend of Kitty Pride, herself not a full-fledged team member either. As Pride is in the same age group as the New Mutants team, Xavier wanted her to join them, but since she was around before the New Mutants hang with the X-Men, she wanted to be on that official team. Issue 168 is also the infamous Professor Xavier is a jerk issue. Finally, in Uncanny X-Men 171, the same issue Carol Danvers says goodbye or farewell to her parents before leaving Earth for years. To be honest, it's, it is just another great issue showing characters of the period. Uh, 171, Ileana remembers what happened in Limbo and triggers her soul sword into reality for the first time on Earth. It happens when she sets up a new program for the team in the Danger Room, which is a replica of Belasco's throne room in Limbo. When she sees it there, with the X-Men standing before him, she flashes back to her torturous years there and in a daze, lashes out at Kitty with her soul sword. Interestingly, and something that has yet to be explained, as far as I know, Ileana's soul sword can actually cut and touch Kate. She can't phase through it. She also can summon it, something no one else but Ileana can do. When Ileana comes to, she is in tears. She remembers it all now and needs the comfort of her friend. In April 84, 
more or less in line with Uncanny X-Men 179. She joins the New Mutants team in that series' issue 14, after revealing that she is a mutant. Her position as a team member is oft contested through the years, as some will always think that there's too much evil in her to do real good. This is seen explicitly in the Demon Bear saga covering New Mutants issues 18 through 20. Even while she helps save the day in a really big way, certain teammates still see her as a threat. She's finally referred to as magic for the first time in New Mutants number 21, but will always have to prove herself for those who doubt her allegiances. Fast forward a few years to follow the mutants, and the New Mutants side of which was written by Louise Simonson. Their portion of the event involved the animator and his animates, and included the death of Doug Ramsey. I already mentioned that a little bit. The team was led was being led by Magneto at the time, and his reaction to these events lead them to leave his tutelage. Ileana also transforms partway to Dark Child during the event and wears a super non-age-appropriate outfit. Ileana fully transforms into Dark Child in 1989's crossover X-Men event Inferno. The New Mutants end up stuck in limbo during the time Ileana first found herself there as a child, and she's forced to take a hard look at her past, her present, and what her future may hold. They can't seem to get away and can't beat Sim, the demon, on their own, even with magic fully covered in her dark child armor. To get back to Earth, she makes a deal with Nastier, another demon, who opens a door for her to more power. This time, when she fights Sim, her metal arm is replaced by red scales as she reaches a whole new level of demonic power. Now able to open the doorway back to Earth, she takes her team home, leaving the gate open behind her for all of demonkind to get through to Earth as well. She can't close it, having been tricked by Nastier, who is in league with the Goblin Queen, Madeline Pryor. Realizing this betrayal, Ileana fights Nastier hard until she manages to cover even the scaly red demonic parts of herself in shining silver armor, from head to toe entirely encased in it. This armor also protected her from the transmode virus both Sim and Nastier were infected with at the time. Upon the arrival of the thought-to-be-dead Colossus, magic gives up, deciding an evil being such as herself can only belong in a place like Limbo. Her new mutants teammates try to save her, and they all end up falling through, falling time and time again. Faced with her six-year-old self, Ileana fully intends on killing herself as a child to prevent all of her life from happening, but it is Rain that is able to convince her that she has a choice this time. She can save herself. Taking this into account, Ileana breaks free from her self-imposed imprisonment and brings the team back to New York. She grows her stepping disc until all the demons of Limbo are sucked back into them. When it is all said and done, the demons are gone, but Ileana's armor is crushed and broken. As Rain stares, as Rain states, she wasn't a demon in the end, she was a being of light. As the team and Colossus sob over her armor, they hear a voice from inside. Colossus tears it open to reveal the young Ileana no more than six years old. Rain says this kind of cheesy quote, and your life will stretch before you as a golden path filled with the promise of all that is wonderful. Yeah, not really. In New Mutants number 77, the team brings Ileana home to her parents. The team is sad to see her go, but they know that this is the right place for her until her, pan until her powers manifest on her own. 
We don't see her again until Uncanny X-Men, or sorry, until X-Men 1991, number 17, where we finally catch up with young Ileana where she is staying with her parents in Russia. This week, Peter is finally coming to visit and she can't contain her excitement. He arrives with a number of his fellow X-Men teammates at the same time that the Russian government has come up with some plot involving the kidnapping of Ileana. Peter and Magic's parents are killed in the plot, but she is rescued by the team and her brother and returns to America with them. Immediately after arriving back in America, Ileana becomes very sick. What they initially believed to be a simple cold or flu ends up as the dreaded mutant legacy virus discovered in Uncanny X-Men 300. The legacy virus mutates each time it transfers to another mutant, killing each in its own specific way and making it ultimately unstoppable and created by the villain Strife, who is a clone of Cable, son of Madeline and Scott. She is diagnosed in issue 300 and is dead by the end of 303. The issue goes over a lot of Ileana's history and her relationships with the various X-Men before letting her have just one last day with Jubilee and Kitty while, Kiddly, while Kitty translates for them. That night, she dies in her sleep. When Ileana first dies, it is established of what a crapsack world the Marvel Universe was for mutants, since an innocent child could just die like that. Emma Frost says that that's the main reason why the X-Men continue to put up with her now. The next time we see magic in the comics is in the flashbacks three-issue story, Truth or Death, 1997, where we see a past New Mutants team, Ileana included, travel to the future where Ileana has already died. In short, Ileana's brother, Mikhail, convinced her to travel forward in time. She brings a number of fellow mutants with her, and they arrive in the comic present, when Ileana has since died. Her attempts to save her brother from his own legacy virus only ended with her being infected herself, starting the process that would end with her death after her de-aging during Inferno. When House of M happens, Ileana had been dead, but Scarlet Witch rewrote reality as a mutant supremacy and magic was included in that world. For that time, Blasco was able to sense Ileana as he yearned to bring her back from his, for his tutelage. Once House of M ends, he searches Limbo for magic again, only to find that the witch who takes up the name in her place, Amanda Sefton. He battles her, but without Ileana's soul sword, she has no hope in defeating him. Again, Kurt, Nightcrawler, has the sword at this time. Desperate for Ileana, Belasco kidnaps a number of young mutants in Limbo and tortures her location out of them. It's pointless, as they don't actually know. As far as they're aware, Ileana Rasputin is dead. A second group of teen mutants is found in Limbo, though, by none other than Darkchild herself. Turns out, after Belasco took back Limbo from Amanda Sefton, he used his magics to summon her back to him, but her soul was gone, and so she remains Darkchild, aka useless for Belasco to corrupt and bring his elder gods back with. Without her soul sword, magic still can't defeat Belasco and save the others, or rather Darkchild. In her dark state, she convinces the innocent Pixie to offer up a portion of her soul, turning it into a soul dagger that Pixie has to this day. In order to use it and the black magics that filled the hole in her soul, Darkchild teaches Pixie a few things while in limbo. They beat off Belasco not like that, and Darkchild is about to take the rest of Pixie's soul for her own power when Colossus shows up. She's completely taken aback at seeing her brother and then banishes them all back to Earth, leaving herself as the ruler of limbo once more. She wasn't ready for Peter to see her, not like that, not without her soul. 
As her story in Limbo goes on, Magic searches for her amulet and her soul sword, the missing pieces of her soul. Meanwhile, Pixie is having a hard time adjusting to having a hole in her soul and a soul dagger in its place, and in one particular instance loses herself for a moment and stabs Nightcrawler. But Kurt turns out to be fine, and when they withdraw the knife, it pulls Ileana's soul sword out with it. Where she is in limbo, Darkchild immediately feels the sword, and is as it is created from a piece of her soul, so she pops up on Earth through a stepping disc to obtain it. She fights the X-Men who are on the scene, and when she grabs her sword, she transforms into a somewhat more human version of Ileana. She is clearly shocked, shocked enough that when Peter sees her, she lashes out on accident, realizing that the soul bloodstones are still needed. Before he can speak to her and the other X-Men in the room, she flees. While this happens, the Lords of Hell have gathered to decide how they'll deal with Magic's return. At the table includes Mephisto, Hela, Dormammu, Satanish, and more, all gathered by Belasco's daughter, Witchfire. It is she who has Magic's amulet with her soul stones, which she intends to use to regain control over Limbo. When Magic steps back to Earth to regain her soul sword from Pixie slash Nightcrawler, Witchfire's demons immediately can tell that her throne is empty. She, Witchfire, easily takes it over, besting Sim in the process. Upon Magic's return, Witchfire easily overpowers her as well. Luckily, Cyclops lets Colossus take a team of X-Men to Limbo to search for Magic, and they interrupt Witchfire just as she completes the fifth and final Bloodstone. As she begins summoning the Elder Gods from their cage, Kurt stabs Ileana with the dagger, hence bringing forth again her own sword. She takes it up and coats herself in Mercury, who is a character, Mer Mercury's, well, Mercury, just in time to fight Witchfire. Then she gets Pixie's soul back to her. They all teleport back to the X-Mansion before Ileana can run away again. Scott and the others tell her that this is her home and she is welcome to stay, so she does. We next see Magic in the 2009 New Mutants series, where she reunites with most of her original New Mutants team, much to the chagrin of the younger mutants, who only know her from the time that she stole a piece of Pixie's soul and then hurt them all. Magic continues to distance herself from the rest of the team and her humanity, eventually risking the safety of her fellow heroes to satisfy her own personal grievances. This is referencing New Mutants 1 through 14 in 2009, uh, before Hellbound and then after. In X-Men Hellbound, Magic is lost to Limbo once more after the team has a disastrous fight with the Sentinel called Bastion. Now, here is how Magic got her and Pixie's souls back. She traveled the timeways, time traveled, eventually coming across Legion. She made a deal with one of her with one of his personas, promising to bring him back to Earth in exchange for his help in destroying the Elder Gods and helping to reclaim her soul. When the Elder Gods were unleashed through the machinations of Project Purgatory, a future version of Magma warned her to travel back in time to save them. She obliges. First, she finds Legion and strikes a bargain with, bargain with him. Then she shows up on Utopia to warn them about Legion and a horrible future they need to prevent. This causes the New Mutants to reform, aka New Mutants number 1, 2009, and she simply waits for Project Purgatory to show up and capture them all. Then she saves Karma, as Legion had accidentally absorbed Karma into his mind, convincing her to release 
Legion so that he can fulfill his side of the bargain. The mission was success as magic, as magic fought her way into Legion's psyche, freed Karma, and helped him regain control over his body. He honored his part of the bargain, warping reality to erase the Elder Gods and destroying the Bloodstone Amulet, reunited, reuniting Ileana and Pixie with their souls. By killing the Elder Gods and returning the Bloodstones to Ileana, she completed her revenge and getting her soul back. However, Ileana gets into trouble with the other X-Men when she admits that this was actually her plan from the beginning, and they punish her for, quote, endangering the team. Dan Abnett takes over Zeb Wells' New Mutants 2009 run with issue number 25, and Ileana is on worse terms with the X-Men than ever. Through though her though with her soul returned, her actions to get it done are deemed irresponsible and dangerous, and she is put under quote permanent arrest. Rescue attempts are made, but she declines. For a good deal of time, magic is treated like a dangerous, crazed animal. In fear itself, the unstoppable juggernaut poses a great threat to mutants. Magic is allowed to take Peter and Kitty to the Crimson Dimension to speak with Sidorak about Juggernaut, his avatar. She informs Sidorak that Juggs is using someone else's magic to help him, betraying his god. She volunteers herself to become the new Juggernaut, but it's a trick, since she knew her brother would take her place and damn himself instead, which he of course does. Once he admitted to himself that he knew what she felt like by being damned, Magic does eventually confess to this and drags him back to Limbo, where she frees him from the role and returns him to normal, all which was to get her point across. This does not happen until Uncanny X-Men number 20, which I think was the 2013 series, no, 2012 series. Avengers vs. X-Men came while the X-Men are split, and Cyclops' team creates a sub-team using the Phoenix Force. They call themselves the Phoenix Five. They are Magic, Cyclops, Colossus, Emma Frost, and Namor. The event revolves around Hope Summers, the belief that she, uh, that the Phoenix Force was coming for her, and the Avengers' fear for what that might mean. Hope goes on the run, enlisting Logan to kill her if she can't control the Phoenix Force. After bonding with the Force, they begin to remold, they being the Phoenix Five, begin to remold the world in the Phoenix's design. At one point, Magic is wounded by Wanda, and Emma retaliates by severely burning Hawkeye. They do heal him, but the team starts to unravel at that point. Namor is the first to fall, spreading his power across the other four. Magic and Colossus end up taking each other out, giving their powers to Scott. After all that, the, 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 the 2012 <laughs> Uncanny X-Men series comes to an end with Ileana transporting Colossus to Limbo, where, as master of that domain, her soul sword was able to break Sidorak's enchantment. She tells him she could have done that the whole time, but then he would have learned nothing. Remember, this is the whole thing about she wants him to see how she feels, right? They are so different, but now he knows exactly who she is. He will no longer call her Snowflake after this, and she tells her that he will kill her the next time he sees her. And obviously, doesn't happen. When the all-new X-Men arrive from the past, Ileana still sticks by Scott's side, becoming a key member in his uncanny X-Men team, which is to the 2013 series. With a new outfit and everything. The Phoenix apparently had damaged Magic's powers, and it, and it apparently did 
did the same to the other five. Ileana initially thinks that her ability to channel increased energies from Limbo is a power upgrade, but Dormammu then pulls her into Limbo and Ileana absorbs all of Limbo's mystic energy, causing it and its creatures to disappear. She sends the X-Men back to Earth and travels back through time to become the protege of past version of Doctor Strange, explaining that she needs that she needs a greater understanding of magic so as to better control her mutant powers. Issue 7 of Bendis' Uncanny X-Men details that conversation with Strange. When the Terrigen Mist Crisis started, magic ends up on the extraordinary X-Men team, taking in mutants in need across the globe and saving them from the Mist's slow crawl. It was magic who enabled the entire mutant population a safe place to stay, safely. Her limbo realm, where she transported people in and out of using her stepping discs. She and her brother made their peace in this time, and she convinces him to rejoin the X-Men. Pre-Hickman era, Matthew Rosenberg settled the team- now okay, we're at a part where I don't quite understand, so please don't ask me any questions about this Age of X-Men stuff. I don't- I- it's- I- it, it lost me immediately. But, um, here's what I got about it. Uh, Matthew Rosenberg settled the team in the Age of X-Men era. Uh, again, honestly super confused, but basically they moved on to another reality, starting Hickman's run, so you could say that that was Moira's Ninth Life- Ninth, ninth Life ending? I don't know, it's super confusing, uh, but anyway, now we have the new utopia that was created for the X-Men on Krakoa. Jonathan Hickman's Dawn of X initiative saw the return of the mutants from the Age of X-Men reality and their collection under a sovereign banner. As I, well, that's the best I got about that era, that, that pre-Hickman era. <laughs> uh, and here we are! We are caught up. Magic has mainly been on the New Mutants team during the Hickman era, where she is a war captain of Krakoa, meaning that she is in charge when the fighting starts. During X of Swords, she fought Pogger Pog twice, actually. Uh, he was her, her enemy from Morocco to fight. Um, it, he seemed, the first fight was an arm, arm, um, arm wrestling contest, and of course she lost that one because he's a big ol' guy. Uh, but then in the second one, um, she lets him eat her so that she can pull the actual, uh, the actual Pogger Pog from the inside of his body. He's a really a little tiny dude who is, like, piloting a big ol' lizard body. So <laughs> that's how she wins that battle, is by figuring out that he's actually not this giant body. At the end of the event, she uses her largest stepping disc to teleport the S.H.I.E.L.D. space station to Amenth, where they release a horde of aliens to destroy the Iraqi army, winning them the battle. Uh, and that's where my Ileana summary ends off. We still have more, though. Let's talk looks, the various costumes and stylings of Ileana Rasputin. Starting off with her pre-powered, when we first see Ileana as a young child on their Russian farm, she's in a classic Eastern European peasant clothes outfit, bandana covering her hair on a simple work dress. She basically wears nightgowns while staying with the X-Men in America before being aged up, and she almost always wore pink. In Limbo, as seen in Magic and Storm, or sorry, as seen in Magic, Storm, and Ileana 1 through 4, she basically just wears an oversized peasant sh shirt. Now, for her dark child form, it takes a few different looks. The basic look, the roots of the basic look are 
uh, demonic horns, goat legs, metal arm, at least one, uh, and some kind of bikini combination for clothes. You can see the most basic Dark Child form in Ex Infernus. It's also important to note, I think I mentioned this already, but it is important still, in any form, the more that she uses her powers, the more armor of Dark Child appears over her body, which is intended to protect her. In the fall of the New Mutants era, which was from the 80s to the 90s, late 80s, early 90s, um, she has uh, this outfit that she wears that is horns, a metal bikini with metal arms. It's like a, it's, it's one of the, what do they call them? Um, the boob chest pieces where it's like two individual cups instead of just one you know, piece spread over. Uh, really, really awkward looking, honestly, on Ileana, on child Ileana, on like 14-year-old Ileana when this was taking place. Um, and because she, she's also wearing a thin red thong, go figure, which is lined on the straps with teeth. 14-year-old Ileana. Uh, there are variations of that look, um, the silver top and the red bottoms that appears through various stories through the years. Now she also has the the metal look of um, of Dark Child when she is more fully covered in armo, armor as seen in Inferno. Uh, this look is Ileana entirely garbed in her silver armor with the red tail horns and her face peeking out beneath the mask. However, when she is more um, overtaken by her demonic side, she fully transforms then from that armor into the scaly red demon for the first time, full on, very reminiscent of the red harpy, but without wings. Uh, she does get wings later on. Uh, and then uh, overcoming the de that demonic side, still in the same Inferno event here, when she gets like ulti ultimate powered, the silver metal covers everything, including her tail, the horns, the the all of it just becomes covered in in silver. So she looks like this weird like demonic angel almost, um, and that's how she looks uh, right before she kind of dies ish and is de-aged to being six again. Uh, and then the, the Krakoa slash modern look of Dark Child, she's got wings this time, which I think is sick. Um, and she has slightly less scaly, well actually much, much less scaly and much less fluffy. She's more put together looking and she has this really cool black outfit with black metal on it. For her team looks, um, we have her original New Mutants look, which you know is the black and yellow. Uh, her Hellions look was standard pink and white Hellions outfit that nobody looks good in. Uh, and then in the 2009 New Mutants through Uncanny X-Men 2012, she wore a uh, kind of throwback outfit, a modern version of her original costume, which is why I call it the throwback outfit, where it's the yellow with the big X that goes from one shoulder to one knee, other shoulder to other knee. Um, at some point, I, I, you know, as is something that somebody could actually maybe tell me. Um, I can't figure out where magic wearing a skirt comes from. I know there's the Mystic Arcana issue where on the cover she's wearing a skirt. Um, that's literally the only time I've found her wearing a skirt. I have that issue too, and it's like, it's just this like informational issue kind of. Eh, that's not really accurate, but, um, 
but it is an outfit. I guess I had to put it in here because I, it seems to be, if you Google actually uh, cosplays for Ileana, it'll come up with the skirted version really more often than not, which is I'm very confused by because she doesn't actually seem to wear that in the comics. Whatever. Somebody explain it to me. I, like, I did so much research on this and could not figure that one out. Uh, she does also have another outfit for her team looks. During Fall of the New Mutants, she wears this really funky red and black look. It's like a red um, marching band jacket kind of thing and this big old bulky belt and black pants. I don't really understand why it had nothing to do with any other look she's ever had. <laughs> Uh, the Phoenix Five, when she has one-fifth of the Phoenix Force, all five of them have their own really cool looks that are basically their standard looks with a Phoenix Force twist. Um, and Ileana's is based in red and gold with a bit of black. Uh, the Brian Michael Bendis Uncanny X-Men um, for whatever reason, they decided to give this teenager uh, booty shorts and a boob window go figure. Um, but that is probably her most well-known outfit at this point in time. Um, she also had a variant to that in the Extraordinary X-Men series, which had some white detailing and edging. To, I guess you could add to that, um, the current version is also a variant of the Bendis one, uh, but she has actual shorts instead of underwear, and I think they were trying to do away with the boob window as well. Um, I still think that she really needs a new outfit, um, maybe something that ties together her two-piece look that is black and her classic look, you know, something that ties that together. As for her casual style, um, Ileana is predictably has a casual style that is a mix of grunge, punk, and goth, more or less depending on her mood. Just another reason, in my opinion, to love the shit out of her. Um, the next section I have is the fan favorite moments. These moments were taken off of a Twitter post that I created just saying, what are your favorite quotes or moments with Ileana slash magic? These are the responses. The first one being my own favorite, which comes from New Mutants number five, I believe. Um, context for this funny moment being that in the Krakoan age, there are three laws of the mutants. One, uh kill no man, two, make no, make more mutants, and three, I don't remember, but, um, it's gonna kill me that I can't remember that, um, but in any case, so she's off in space, and these, these alien guys are attacking them, thinking that it's gonna be super easy, because they're just, you know, they're just mutant kids, they're not even the real X-Men, um, they're not I even mean, kids now, they're, like, in their 20s, but, uh, so what she says to them when they approach her to fight her, she says, do you want to make out with me? She asks all three of them and they all say no. She says, gotta say, bad call. Um, now this is going to have probably the only curse word of this whole podcast in here, but I gotta say it the way that it was meant to be said and not with the symbols that they put in comics, because you can't say that out loud. But she says, because it was fuck or fight and you have chosen poorly. And she asks, quick question, any of you human? And they all say no. So she says, now we're talking because the whole rule they can't kill humans it's funny okay it's funnier when you read it not when i'm explaining it but moving on to more fan favorite moments from uh beast to iliana in new mutants number one from 2009 uh he says i suppose even us monsters get used to ourselves eventually 
in the Empire X-Men Inferno number four. She says she's she's fully Dark Child and has won the battle. So she addresses the other X-Men on site and says, Silent slave, I have dominion here now. On this world and all infernal realms, I see fit to claim. All I see is mine. Understand, I am mistress here and you are my slaves. You are my slave and you and you. And she points to Nightcrawler. And you... Dashing, you dashing blue demon boy, you will serve me most of all, for I find your appearance to be. And then the staff loses its power, and her dark child persona drops away. <laughs> it's great. You gotta love it. Um, she completely messes up Dormammu and makes him beg for mercy in Uncanny X Men 2013 when he tries to take over Limbo. So she absorbs it entirely inside of her. Uh, she appears as the Sorceress Supreme in Uncanny X-Men Annual Number 1 as another fan-favorite moment. There's a quote about her relationship with Kitty. Of all of them, only Kitty Pride accepts me, purely and simply as a friend, without reservation. Is she aware how precious that gift is? How, how precious a gift that is? How much I value it? I could lay the world at her feet and it wouldn't begin to repay her. Uh... Again, in their relationship, Ileana tackling, happily tackling Kitty when she is finally resurrected in Marauders number 12. In all-new X-Men number 25, the Watcher saw a future where Kate and Ileana were together. Uh, of course, her teleporting the sword space station during X of Swords was a big, major, badass moment. She had a... Uh, a few times where she got to kind of one-up much more seasoned heroes at one point stealing away captain america's shield with her discs which was back during the retro comics when she was a young teen uh torturing nastier in limbo with demons playing kazoos and recorders i think i'd mentioned that before but that is genuinely hilarious uh kitty taking care of young iliana as she dies of the legacy virus it's sad but it's a good moment for their relationship i guess uh, quotes here, a few couple of quotes. For many years, a man named Belasco tried to bury me, but I demanded to grow. This is the beginning. And I believe that was from Magic What If number one, or What If Magic number one. In Savage Avengers, she is fighting a dragon who then transforms into his human form, and she says, Never mind, I don't want to kill a dragon. One of my best friends is a dragon. She, um, let's see, favorite moment, taking a swig of champagne before getting in on business at the Hellfire Gala. Uh, in the early New Mutants, when she says, they laugh so easily while I want to cry. Uh, becoming the scaly dark child in Inferno. Creating the Soul Sword and defeating Belasco, outsmarting the Shadow King, choosing to reclaim her dark power to save Kitty, destroying the Elder Gods, again, somebody saying teleporting the entire sword station, training Doug in X of Swords, most definitely a shining moment. A quote from Kiddo Omega and Magic, or a conversation, he says, I'm just going to lay this out there. You're blonde, Russian, and exceedingly demonic. How are we not dating already? And she says, I would tear you apart, little boy, like the bear does the baby goat. Let's see, her continued friendship with Glob. And then two more quotes. One, Moonstar says, what do we do with them now? And Magic says, I vote we kill them. That is New Mutants volume one, number 55. And finally, in the same volume of number 65, Magic says, we have to do something about Forage. We have to kill him. 
both very good examples of her kind of being a bit more, uh, I don't want to say edgier, but a bit more uh, lethal than her fellow New Mutants teammates. We're getting pretty close to the end here, so the last categories we're going to talk about is the controversial points, the New Mutants movie, which honestly ties into that a little bit, and then we'll wrap it all up with some good stuff. Uh, so starting with the controversial points, her age-inappropriate dress. Without a doubt, Ileana has always been the most sexualized of the New Mutants, female or otherwise. She has never been seen pursuing a romance, but she would always wear the skimpiest outfits and a few times even flirted with bad guys while threatening them with eternal torment. Her antics are fairly mild by today's standards except for the dental floss that she would wear as Dark Child, but it still becomes a little awkward considering her true age. Among other things, she cut, she gladly cut Pixie's completely innocent soul into two pieces and admitted to herself that she purely consists of hurt and hatred given form. And then there is a, um... There's the, there's a couple of weird issues that are questionable, but I would like to direct you to Uncanny X-Men Annual number seven, um, where she appears in the epilogue in a swimsuit with Kitty Pride, giving uh, the issue's antagonist a, lo a um, lollipop. What is it? Frozen lollipop thing? Oh my god, you know that. Um, I kid you not, there's a panel with, of them. It's a round frozen lollipop thing. So they suck on it. And there's like a visual and the alien guy like looks at them and his mouth like drops open while the visual is happening. It's, they are like 14, okay? Very weird, very creepy. And even stuff like, like I mentioned the Joss Whedon stuff earlier, like, oh yeah, when she's horny, she loses control of her power. Like, what? Well, you were still writing a teenage girl. Like, you were an adult man. Like, very weird stuff like that through the years, but. Ugh. There's just so much of that in comics. I, 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 I can't go too much into it, or else I would end up not being able to stop. So let's, let's go. Uh, the New Mutants movie where Ileana is portrayed by Anya Taylor-Joy. And she did a killer, killer job with what they gave her. Um, it was not a great movie. <laughs> I don't think anybody is going to challenge that opinion. Um, one thing that I had like a random pet peeve of is they call her Illy in the movie, um, which is, in my opinion, extremely weird. When the comics have had, like, the comics have long since established that the official nickname that they call her is Yana. So, Illy, like, just, what? 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 It just, it felt so awkward and cringy. Um, they also, on a sadder note, changed her character backstory to make it that instead of having been sort of kidnapped and learning magic in Limbo, she discovers Limbo as a place that she could go to escape the pedophiliac sexual abusers that her parents presumably sold her to. I can see why I guess they did this. They wanted her to have a shocking backstory, maybe in a similar way um, that the original Magic series revealed her backstory was at that time. Um, but making her a victim of, uh, you know, multiple sexual abuses as a child really doesn't have the same effect of overcoming hardship um, as someone 
you know, she goes from being someone who overcomes hardship and shows up on top to someone who was forced to withdraw from her world in her shame uh, so much that she found a whole other dimension to withdraw into. So I, the effect is clear and it is negative and mm, wasn't too happy about that. Um, also, her weird romance with Sam Guthrie not a thing in the comics at all. Uh, comic Rain was in love with Sam when they first meet, and Sam is in love with Magma. Magma wasn't even in the New Mutants movie, so um, one thing to take into note, of course, uh, with all of this being said, is they spent years making this movie and remaking it and reshooting it and changing what the whole plot was going to be. They, like, filmed an entire movie and then scrapped it and went back and, like, basically filmed most of an entire movie to 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 change everything like when similar to the morbius disaster <laughs> god um that never works out when you end up delaying a movie for so long that like it just doesn't make sense anymore so that's that's a lot of what i attribute the not so goodness about new mutants to the movie at least what we're left with now is a simple little wrap-up of this episode. Ileana Rasputin has come a very long way. Um, I have a quote here from my review of Empire X-Men number four when that initially came out. The context of this being, um, it is the moment when Dark Child, Dark Child drops off and Ileana is magic once again after a brief moment of overpowered craziness. Um, and she basically takes that moment and people are like, oh, wow, you would have been shamed. And she's like, meh. So here's what I wrote. It says, while some may have taken this moment to try and, quote, teach some manners to an otherwise unruly character, or maybe use the experience to make her retreat into herself with self-loathing or embarrassment, Hickman does the opposite. Even when Beast looks to magic and notes how embarrassed he would be in the same situation, she looks him in the eye and firmly states, I regret nothing. This is not only a shining example of why I love Ileana Rasputin, but also shows, again, how well Hickman grasps each character. Magic is fully aware of her personality and mutant power drawbacks, but she has spent too far, far too long, far too much of her life being sorry for it. I'm thrilled that Hickman is stating so blankly here that magic is continuing to be her unapologetic, if somewhat abrasive, self. There are also a few lines from the ComicBasics.com article, History of Magic. I cannot attribute these to any particular person. For some reason, the article does not have a author listed, um, but I did link it in the description of this episode so you can go and read the entire thing yourself. It is very well written. I am just pulling out a few little bits towards the end to add to my wrap up because they worded everything so brilliantly. Uh, starting off here with comparing Ileana to Jean Grey. They say, where Ileana triumphs over Jean is that, unlike Jean, she often lets a terrible situation push her into being better and more powerful. More importantly, she allows it to give her the strength to stand up to whatever evil force or bully that has entrapped her. And isn't that what life is about? Standing up to adversity, torment, and tragedy, and telling it that you won't be pushed around by it. This doesn't mean that Ileana has overcome her inner demons. It's quite the opposite. She's in a constant state of struggle. Her mutation grows 
allows her to teleport to practically anywhere. However, to do so means that she must travel through the Limbo Dimension. Because the Limbo Dimension has caused her great pain, each time she uses her mutation, she is reminded of that pain. This constant reminder is enough to cause grief to a fully mature adult, let alone a little girl who's trapped in a teenager's body. As a result, Ileana forces herself to hide her true self from those closest to her. Worse yet, as it is a case for as is the case for many victims of abuse, Ileana struggles and makes to make deep and meaningful connections with those who wish to pursue them with her. None of this means she isn't trying. She is. Over the years, she has learned to trust those who have best who have her best intentions at heart. Although she does this because she doesn't trust herself, it's import it's personal growth where she where there was once none. Magic is by no means perfect. She's just as flawed as any character in comic books. She is, however, both captivating and inspirational. She has overcome and continues to overcome the direst of situations. She's the most powerful of the Rasputin family, not just because of her mutation or her dark magic. Instead, she's the most powerful of the Rasputin family because she works very hard not to let her terrible past dictate her present and her future. This is a lesson that we can all learn from. And they wrap up this the Comic Basics article with another line that I'd like to add. It says, As I do with all these in-depth articles, I'm going to leave you with this. Comic books are a gateway to understanding the world just a little bit better. So may they be around forever. I thought that was very poetic. The last thing that I will leave you with here as part of the official episode is how... In writing all of my notes for this, I found myself time and time again using what started as a funny side note to add to these often tragic stories. The line was, they got better. That was a comedic in my mind at first, but became a pattern and not to be a total ball of cheese. But the point seems clear here. It does get better if you just keep trying. Oh god, so cheesy. Anyway, uh, next time that you can see an episode from me is gonna be uh, episode 59. I'll be coming out for the regular podcast on Monday the 18th of April. Uh, and the next Yancey Street special, which is gonna be the May special, will be covering... That was terrible, I'm sorry. Uh, Patsy Walker, who is none other than Hellcat. She has a stunningly in-depth comic book history. She has had some truly fantastic um, solo stories that I'd like to, to point out and things like that. So very excited for that. And the reason that we're going to be talking about Patsy is because she has, for the first time in a very long time, a annual coming out in, I think it's June. Is it June? I think it's June. I think it's June 1st or something like that. Um, yeah, I think it's June 1st. Uh, so I'll be having that up as the May special, uh, this being the April special. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, definitely check out that annual. To be fair, it is her and Iron Man together having an annual, but I don't like him, so we can ignore his, his part of things. I'm in that for Patsy and only Patsy, as I always say about the Iron Man stuff right now. Um, but in any case, I hope you enjoyed this magic podcast. I hope you learned some things or found enjoyment uh, which I already said in the, in these things, um, my brain is kind of fried from setting all of this up. 
uh, as we're at the end of the episode, I guess I can go over my social media stuff now. Uh, my Instagram, you can find me at Anna with the comics. My Twitter is Savage She Geek. I have a Patreon that is Sensational She Geek. My YouTube is Sensational She Geek, where I have all, like, all kinds of action figure videos and stuff. I have a Discord. If you would like to join the Yancey Street Discord, go ahead and send me a message. It is a private Discord. Um, for talking about anything you want, but of course we will all be people with comic or nerd interests in general, but it's not all you have to talk about. Um, what else? Uh, I'm sure there's other stuff that I should be mentioning here, but my, like I said, my brain is shot. I have been working so hard on this. I hope you enjoyed it a little bit. Um, let's talk about Ileana. Uh, let me know, you know, let's talk about Ileana. It's fun. She's great. Um, and also let's talk about Patsy because she's coming up next and I hope you enjoyed that one too. In the meantime, enjoy the rest of your April. April. Uh, see you in May. As I resist to quote NSYNC. <laughs>